Well, it's lovely to be with you all tonight. Hope you're enjoying the opportunity to reflect on the amazing events of 2,000 years ago. And I'm aware that for many of us, yesterday's announcement will still be feeling pretty raw as we head towards Christmases that, that we didn't expect. Normally, one of the joys of Christmas time is getting to be with the people we love, eating with them, opening presents together, telling the same old stories. That's a wonderful thing about Christmas, the joy of knowing others. And this Christmas, many of us will miss that, and we'll feel the pain of missing that. Hugs that can't be shared, loved ones who can't come near to us. But without wanting to be glib, I want to suggest that this Christmas time can still be a very merry Christmas for all of us. And the reason why has to do with that last reading from the Gospel of John. Let me share again the final verse from it. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. There's great joy in knowing others. And here's the reason why this Christmas can still be a Merry Christmas. Because this Christmas, God can be known. And there's great joy in that. And for a few minutes, I'd just like us to reflect on that, on how it is that God can be known. And how that can make this Christmas a Merry Christmas. And it might seem strange, but I'd, I'd like to start with a Russian cosmonaut from the 60s, Yuri Gagarin, the first human to go into space. After launching from space, Gagarin reportedly uh, sent a message back to Earth. I looked and looked, and I didn't see God. Oh, that might sound a bit silly. And it's likely Soviet propaganda but I think it reflects a, a common idea out there about knowing God, that if God is there, he should be easily discoverable, that I should be able to know him the same way I know other stuff, by seeing, touching. Like Richard Dawkins says, God's existence or non-existence is a scientific fact about the universe, discoverable in principle, if not in practice. In other words, everything there is to know about the universe can be known through science, through investigation and observation. And God is no exception. If he's there, he should be easily discoverable. And maybe that's roughly where you're coming from tonight. But over the last while, some people have found themselves moving in a different direction, thinking that there must be something more something more than just this material world. People who say things like, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I'm open to spiritual things. Maybe you can relate to that. The thing is, though, even if people sense there's something more, they're often left more confused about what that something more is. You know, we know something's out there, but what is it? And how can we know? And so we go from saying God should be easily discoverable to God is basically unknowable. He's a mystery. A bit like Banksy, if you've heard of Banksy. Banksy's a graffiti artist, and every now and then one of his pieces will pop up on a wall somewhere, and 
People will rave. There's a new Banksy. But as for Banksy himself, no one knows who he is. He hides away in the shadows like a recluse. And that might be our picture of God, like Banksy, a master artist. But he's a mystery. We see his work all around us, and it gives us some awareness of something more. But as for the artist himself, he's unknown and unknowable. And so here's where we are. We're, we're given these two options, as it were. Either God should be easily discoverable, Gagarin, Dawkins, science, or God is basically unknowable, Banksy, mystery, spiritual, either easily discoverable or basically unknowable. And if those are the only options we've got, then it's not clear how God can be known. But Christianity doesn't pin us down to that either or. When Yuri Gagarin went looking for God in space, C.S. Lewis responded like this. He said, think about Shakespeare's play, Hamlet. Well, trying to find God in space is like Hamlet trying to find Shakespeare in the attic of his castle, which won't work because Shakespeare isn't an object within the play. He's the author of the play. And God is related to our world like the author is related to his play, not something within it, but the author outside it. You won't find him by looking in the attic or in space or anywhere else by observation and investigation. And if we're worried that that makes God unknowable, well, the Christian faith would say, that's up to God. See, the only way that Hamlet can hope to know Shakespeare, so to speak, is if Shakespeare decides to come into Hamlet's world. In terms of the illustration, what if the author writes himself into the play? And that, and nothing less than that, is what the Bible says God has done. John declares, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The divine word who is God himself, the author of all reality, became human and stepped into the world he made. The invisible becomes visible. The spiritual becomes physical. The one who invented flesh puts on flesh. He's not hiding. He's put himself out there. He's gone public. He's knowable. God came to dwell with us as one of us. This is what we call the incarnation, literally the enfleshment of God, which is why something as small as the birth of a little baby could split history in two because that baby in the manger was God in the flesh. And to be clear, when God became human, it's not that he became any less God. No, he became human through addition, not subtraction. Not by giving up some of his godness, but by taking human nature to himself. So that the man Christ Jesus was fully God, and fully man, God in the flesh. 
which strikes a chord these days. More than ever, we know the importance of physical presence. Now, we're thankful for things like Zoom, but it's not the same as being with people in body, is it? There's something about being physically present with people, a closeness, a connection. And according to the Bible, God has always wanted that kind of closeness with his people, so much so that 2,000 years ago, he took on a body to make it happen so he could be with us in person, not distanced, not virtual, but close, connected. And if God came to dwell with us as one of us, if the author wrote himself into the story, then that means God can be known. But it also means God knows us. God knows what it's like to be flesh. In fact, that word flesh that John uses, it was a shocking thing to apply that to God. That's a word that smells of afterbirth and blood, sweat and tears of mortality and weakness. And John is saying that the God of the universe did not think it beneath him to enter into that. That in Jesus, God knows what it's like to be hungry and tired, to weep and long and grieve, to be rejected and lonely, to face death. That is the wonder of the Christmas story. God can be known because he came to dwell with us as one of us. I wonder, do we believe God could do that? Do we believe God did do it? Perhaps not. Perhaps you might think, that is unbelievable. I could never imagine myself believing that. And the thing is that there's a time in his life when John would have agreed. He never would have imagined writing the words that we are reading tonight. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. But John and his friends could not deny their experience, their remarkable experience of this man, Jesus. He tells us two things about what they experienced. First, they saw glory. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Some people might say, I'd believe in God if, if I could see him. And the slightly cheeky reply is, well, we could have. We were just born at the wrong time. But for John and his friends, that really was their experience. They saw a man do things that only God could do. Healing the sick, calming a storm, raising the dead, a divine glory that could only be God in the flesh. But the glory they saw was more than that. It was a beauty that ravished them, a character that captivated them, a sight that satisfied their souls and that changed their lives forever. They saw glory. The second thing John tells us about their experience of Christ, they received grace. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. I wonder, if God became a person, what sort of person do you think he'd be? A strict headmaster? A power-hungry dictator? A stingy billionaire? Well, when John met God in the flesh, he met a man who was incredibly gracious. A man who was so kind and forgiving to people who let him down, who prayed for the people who killed him, who loved his followers so much that he took on flesh so he could die for them, and they live forever. In fact, a human-sized man with a God-sized supply of grace, an infinite fullness that overflows to others without ever running dry, a generous fullness that doesn't take, but loves to give and give and give. That was their experience of Jesus. And in a way, that's been the experience of Christian believers ever since, seeing Christ's glory, a divine glory that takes hold of you and changes your life, receiving his grace, grace that forgives and heals and restores and brings eternal life. We all know that this Christmas won't be normal. We will miss being with those we love. But whatever else is missing this Christmas, here is something that nothing can take away. The amazing, electrifying wonder that God came to dwell with us as one of us and can be known today in Jesus, the one who enriches our lives with the sight of his glory and the gift of his grace. And that means for those who know God in Jesus and who would come to know God in Jesus, that this Christmas can still be a very Merry Christmas. The band is going to return for our final carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which contains these words, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Please stand if you would. <laughs>